October 2004. I'm 17 and living in Milan in a model's apartment on the edge of Piazza Sempione. In a sea of serious Italians wearing slick black suits, I'd stick out like a sore thumb in colorful sweater. California beach blonde hair and a golden tan. I'm feeling pretty lonely as I only have one roommate who doesn't speak much English, although she does manage to warn me that I shouldn't wear my low-rise jeans without tucking in my shirt. Dressing for cold weather is not a concept I understand as a valley girl from California. I've recently met another model called Lily, who keeps inviting me out to clubs with her promoter friend. He seems more like a drug dealer to me and is obviously trying to fuck her. Tonight she's invited me out to a party but won't say any more than that. We get dressed together to go out and she lends me her buttery fitted leather jacket. It's very expensive and it's a little tight on my arms and shoulders and I wish that I had pencil arms like hers. The promoter picks us up in an Audi TT coupe. It's a two-door and so I'm told I should sit in the back. So I try and enter the vehicle through a pinhole as elegantly as I can, clambering into the back seat with bambi legs and very high heels, and folding myself up like a beach chair. Lily's guy explains he's taking us to a dinner party where there will be cocaine and we can have some if we just hang out for an hour or so with this older gentleman. At this point in my life, all drugs are free, as I'm young and a model, and it seems to flow very freely wherever I go with Lily. We show up to a penthouse apartment with six blonde male models wearing butler outfits and serving hors d'oeuvres. The older gentleman is sitting alone at the head of a very long, shiny glass table. I feel very out of place and ask where the restroom is. That's always my safe haven at any social function. I walk in to find a young blonde butler model talking to another, saying, Look, you don't have to suck his dick or anything. The modeling agency just said we have to stay here for the event and then we can leave. This isn't an event, I think to myself. It's one old guy sitting at a table being served by young blonde butler boys and a pile of coke. Three months later, I'm back in New York City still modeling. I get a call from Lily. She's back in town from a short jaunt in Asia. Her hair has been cut really short and dyed a terrible blonde and is falling out in clumps because the dye job wasn't very good. She has a new gig meeting a man who pays $800 for her to give him a massage. He gives her a box of chocolates afterwards and he's a little creepy, but the money's good. The woman who got her the gig is asking Lily to suggest any other young models who want to give him a massage too, and so she asks me if I want to come. I say no. I can smell the weird from a million miles away. This isn't what I thought the modeling world would be. Hi, Heaven. Hello, Buffy. How are you? I'm fantastic. You're How fantastic. Are you? I'm fantastic. This is so wonderful to hear. Fantastical. How are you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm 
also fantastic. Yes, I don't you know. Are. Yeah, of course you I, are. I'm always fantastic. <laughs> um, so today we've got quite a fun episode. We have. Uh, so you guys have just heard my darling younger sister. Yes. Uh, I wonder if that was confusing to some listeners because it's like, oh, it's an American accent. She does kind of sound a little bit like me. it's not quite you. Yeah. yeah. And so she was talking about being a model. Yeah. Can um, you break this story down for us a little? Because even so- I don't know the backstory of this story. So, so basically my sister and I grew up in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I went off to London to become a stripper. Um, and she, at the age of about 16, got scouted to model. So she was, I mean, is, was and is, uh, an incredibly attractive, tall, leggy blonde. Um, and yeah, she got recruited by a, a couple who were a model couple, the perfect model couple to be, to be a model. And so uh, right after her 17th birthday, um, she went to New York, first of all, to start modeling. And then she ended up joining a very big agency in Italy um, and all over Europe. So they sort of represented in Paris, you know, everywhere in sort of Europe that you could be. And that is where the story is from, is when she was in Milan. And yeah, she was underage. and So she was basically invited to go to parties by her agency. Yeah. To, to go party, do drugs with these sort of like older guys, yeah. but not really It was know nothing to do with modeling. There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a 17-year-old that like... I mean, I would have been there so quickly. <laughs> and also, you know, the thing is, they didn't get paid for any of that. <gasps> so, I mean, like you and I have, I mean, I have been to... Lots of hotel Parties rooms and piles of old, cocaine. drunk men and yeah. lots of cocaine. And it's great because, because I'm making so much money. Yeah. So and like there are for, no blurred lines. Like no, it's, it's very, very transactional clear, like, and clear. This is what's going to happen. Like you're either down or you're not. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And also, down. you know, but at, I don't know, like at 17, I think I still would have been a bit like, eh, I don't really want to be here for free. But yeah. I would have had the. the I mean, I, 17 is not legal anyway no. to be working in a club like no. let alone like going and, and but I would like I had a fake ID of. from the age of 15 um that said I was 21 so I was it was a really I, good fake ID was it yeah I, yeah, yeah I had so. someone's passport but oh. her name was Foon Foon Lee <laughs> I know <laughs> we would get away with it like we passed it around my friendship group I mean nobody was looking were they not really. No. They just, as long as you had the, the idea. So I, to. my first real boyfriend, like my first proper boyfriend, um, was really good at making fake IDs. He which, made it for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so, oh, you know, cool. which I think was probably a big uh, reason that we were together is <laughs> I was like the fake ID guy. My he was also, in. yeah, I mean, he was also really nice, but he was, I mean, I was 16 when we first got together and I think he was like 20. Yeah. 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 I mean... Which, that was kind of standard behavior then. I mean, all the cool girls went out with adults <laughs> when, I was, when I was a child. I remember telling my history teacher, like, when I found out how old he was, I was like, oh, you're younger than my boyfriend. And the look on his face was like, what? <laughs> anyway, we digress. But yeah, so basically that was kind of part and parcel for her as a model at the time. Like, right. you know, and that's one of many stories that she told me where she would just be at these events, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, and it would be like one weird old guy who, or multiple old guys, and the agent had sort of been like, yeah, you know, just, he's really important. He's an important it, client. Isn't it just he's- ridiculous how they glamorize the modeling industry yeah. and like all the girls that, that join the industry in the hope of like fame and money and whatever. And actually the reality is that they just get sent off to for nothing. do these jobs for nothing. And also, Like the great thing about sex work is you'd make great money or you well, can make great yeah, money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, but the, also you are, 
you know, you have agency. Yeah, you, you're you're part of the story. You've you get decided to decide to do whether that. you want to go or not. But like, if if I was 17 and my agent was saying like, oh, you're going to go and do this job, like I wouldn't say no because I would just feel like, well, they're the adult, they're the person that is in charge of me, Absolutely. and they know what's right, and I'm working for them, and I, you know, I should be so lucky to be working for this agency. That's what I can imagine. Anyway, well, I, I mean, feel. we've spoken about that before, where you have said that you know when you first started dancing, you kind yeah. of cross that over a little bit from when you left dance school yeah well I mean I was 18 when I started which you know is super young um and I still had this slight thing of like adults in superior positions to me and mm-hmm. me being inferior and therefore like you know listening to everything they said and taking yeah, and you it, defer like, to their advice yeah exactly and so did you look at customers in that way so I did there was a period of time where I did look at customers in that way and like thankfully it didn't last too long and I soon realized that actually no you are superior yeah, they are not wallies. beneath but you know <laughs> well, <I laughs> and mean, you get to decide what happens and and you get to set your boundaries and have and that's what gave me way more autonomy within dancing I never thought that I can't imagine you ever feeling that you were inferior to me no I was just like you're all idiots and I'm gonna do what I want just sit down (laughs) (laughs) I never yeah I just never I mean I even remember when I went to new clubs and stuff I never really like there you know there'd always be like the older girl who's been there for ages and I'm like Mm -hmm. you're just fucking weird I like I never if they were nice they were nice and that was fine but that whole thing of like that you have to listen to somebody there's like a hierarchy when it comes to age and yeah I don't know I guess I did and I think that dance school definitely instilled a lot of that in me I mean and now looking back at it I'm like wow those teachers were really fucking damaging I mean the only part of my sister's story that I'm a bit like ah you should you know like the massage bit I mean like so I make 800 and chocolate I mean I would have done that I mean, Irregardless I, I totally would have done it, yeah. I'll do it now. If anybody would like to pay me 800 and give me some chocolate, I'm actually quite a good masseuse. Yeah, you actually are. Yeah, no, I've got strong hands. Massage from you yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm just putting it out there. If there's any creepy guys out there who'd like a massage, I'm in. 100%. I think it's called tantric massage. Like the sexual massage. No, I'm not massage. giving you wanks. That's not what I'm offering. I, oh, just, I don't think is that, that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like sensual massage. Yeah. Yeah, but does it have to end in a wank or can you just have your boobs out and like rub your boobs on them? I mean, I don't think there's a rule. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Boundaries, see? I mean, but you know, there aren't rules, but I mean, something to bring up is that there are actual unions for adult workers. So, I mean, I think that they would protect your right to not wank and rub your tits on someone. (laughs) I think that... I think that would be covered. Yeah, so there's a, a large union called the United Voices of the World, and they also have like a section for adult entertainment, adult entertainers, um, yeah, whatever, sex work in general. Which is great. Um, so I think they're called United Sex Workers. Yeah, I think that. The, so yeah. I think that that's the one that's more UK based. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and they're currently representing the case in Edinburgh right now, which is. Very current. Um, all the three clubs that are currently open in Edinburgh, four clubs, four clubs that are open in Edinburgh, are set to close in April. April of 2023. And so basically, this was um, brought on by the council, who have spent a lot of money, but they're refusing to say how much money when mm-hmm. being asked of public money. Um, th- I mean, this kind of reminds me. So in 2012, when the London Olympics happened, mm-hmm. uh, Hackney Council did pretty much the same thing. So they got a little bee in their bonnet. The London Olympics were coming. They wanted to clean the area up. And so they did a public forum. And they spent quite a lot of money on this public forum to find out how people felt about these sexual establishment venues. And everybody was like, eh, it's fine. They yeah, they not- actually did a, a 
a poll, right? They, they did a they poll and everybody and was like, yeah, we're fine. Everyone was actually in favor of keeping them open. I mean, they were either neutral or yeah. in favor, yeah. um, which was not what Hackney Council wanted to hear. I don't think they expected that. No, because I think people get very blinkered, you know, mm-hmm. and they sort of double down on their own personal morality. Um, and so, yeah, we did like, I mean, there was a protest. I was on the protest. I led a big, there, I mean, there's, there's something on the internet of me still to this day about me talking about loving being a stripper. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, we won, but it was hard. And it was very similar to Edinburgh. So you've right. got nine councillors, I think uh, four voted in favor of keeping everything open that was already there. And, right. five, and five voted for nil. So that's just the difference of one person. So, yeah. And let me guess that all of these people are men. I'm not, you know what? I'm not so sure because there's lots of women who feel very strongly. I, I don't know is the answer to that. But I think that I've come up against many women um, who have sometimes more misogynistic views than yeah. men in this particular Well, we know that arena. with all the, the rad feminist groups out there that are... We're yeah. not even going to name because we're not going to give them any airtime. I'm not going to give airtime, <laughs> but also I think, unfortunately, it ends up, you know, like we, we always try and keep things funny and fun on this podcast. And if you kind of end up down that rabbit hole, you're arguing with somebody who thinks that they're doing you a massive favor mm-hmm. by taking your job away. And your voice um, away. Because you don't even away. get to, you know say what you think about the matter because it does directly affect you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I always feel that, you know, for instance, if something scientific is happening, who I really would like to hear from is a scientist or, you know, like a qualified doctor. I don't really want like the weird guy who wears tinfoil on his head who scoobies around the floor telling me his opinion (laughs) about something. So I would extend that to I feel quite similar to this is like, uh, if you have no experience within the sex work industry at all, except for dealing with the most damaged, marginalized and abused people who exist within that world, your opinion isn't very um, balanced. No. It's sort of just basing on the worst thing ever. So it feels like it's on a par with all this stuff in America about abortion rights as well. Um, You know, and they're basically taking away women's autonomy, women's voices. Well, yeah. um, And stopping them from deciding for themselves what they want to do with their body. Absolutely. And I think it's really easy if you're not a sex worker when you hear about new laws that impact sex workers to kind of go, eh, it doesn't really have anything to do with this mm-hmm. or to do with me personally. But, you know, as soon as you start making it okay for somebody's moral thought point to impact people's bodies, you are basically making that okay for you as well at some point. Mm-hmm. Henceforth, abortions being taken away in the United States uh, at quite a fast pace, which is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in this country, you don't actually have the right just to even say, here, I want Even here, it's an not abortion. great. No. I mean, like, from my personal experience... Um, I have had outside three, of Pratt. Ab- outside of Pratt, <laughs> I have had three abortions, um, and I remember the first one. I went to the doctors, and I, I was sixteen, and I just said, "Oh, I'm too young. I've got no money. I can't do this." And and she said to me, "Like, I'm sorry, but that's not actually a valid reason. It has to be one of these three reasons. And so what were the three either reasons? it has to impact your mental health to the degree that, like, it wouldn't be possible for you to have the child, mm. or your physical health, or impact the impact the health of your already existing children." So out of that fun list, so which one did you I choose? I went for mental health because yeah, it's good. fucking true, right? <laughs> but also I just didn't want a kid. And like that should have been a good enough reason for yeah. me as a 16-year-old to say, I can't financially support a child and I don't want one. Uh, but apparently not. So yeah, you have to tick one of the boxes. So, But, um, you know, I also would like to say as a firm believer in freedom of speech, I also believe that people are allowed to say and have whatever opinions they want. And 
the whole process of freedom of speech means that you hear things that you might not want to hear sometimes and mm -hmm. that you disagree with very strongly. But I don't believe that your personal morality should be inflicted on others. No, and not when it comes to changing laws as well. No. I mean, it's just fucking insane. But you know what doesn't have a union? <laughs> what? Modeling agencies. Ah, they don't. So, I mean, and also... This happened in Bristol as well. It did, uh, recently. So yeah. bringing us back to closing down strip clubs in Hackney, trying to close down strip clubs in Edinburgh. We really hope that they win their appeal, which is coming up very soon. Um, we haven't heard the results of that yet. But they also tried to do this in Bristol. There is a Green councillor who said, some of the voices calling for a nil cap are sometimes advancing arguments that we should discount the views of some women in order to empower them and to restrict their choices in the name of equality in order to take away their jobs for their own good. There are some voices in this debate who seem to be asserting that some women cannot be trusted to make choices for themselves. I cannot see how these voices can be speaking for women in this city. Which I think sums it up very nicely. It really does. If it doesn't affect you, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, speaking of all the unions and this, that, and the other, which are great and good, you know, you can join Equity Union, you can join you can. all sorts There's of unions. There's many unions, and I think actually we're going to list them in the show notes. We so will. if you so, don't know about these unions, we will put links to all of them. And if you're a sex worker, we really advise joining them because it gives you a lot more choice and it gives you a lot more support and legal advice. And there's all sorts of great reasons to belong to a union. I belong to equity as a broadcaster and I also belong to equity as an adult performer. So, you know, I know that if I ever end up in a situation that is unfair or feels unsafe, um, I've got something behind me. Um, but models do not have unions. Really? No. Wow. That is particularly surprising and kind of ridiculous given your sister's story. Yeah, and given that they're children. Yeah. Most of them, I mean, my sister, you know, was considered quite old in the industry at the time, but most of them are literal, like, 13-year-olds mm -hmm. who get sent away without their parents who are from, you know, Eastern Europe and different places where they're sending a lot of money back home. So, you know, you've, it becomes quite difficult to say no. And mm -hmm. I just find it really interesting that women and girls in this instance where they really are children a lot of the time, it's considered and held up by society as this really amazing thing. It's like, oh my God, she's a model. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so glamorous. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. And behind the scenes, it can be really exploitative and quite dark and not great. But if you were at a dinner table in quote unquote polite company and somebody says to you, oh, what do you do? And you say you're a stripper. It's like, <gasps> pearl clutching and everybody's yeah. judging you and it's like oh so sorry the bit where I make a lot of money I'm completely autonomous have control yeah. and boundaries over my body can swap where I work at any time can travel the world that's because it's, it's overtly sexual whereas modeling is not overtly well, well it, argue I think it, the is, it is I think like, the narrative is different you yeah. know and the narrative is is that I control my body mm -hmm. and for a lot of women who are in the modeling industry they don't now I'm not saying this for everybody either um there's loads of models that I have known over the years who've mm -hmm. had great experiences and wonderful times and worked with great teams and it's been fantastic but we've all seen the exposés we've all seen lots of things mm -hmm. that have come out of women being terribly exploited and children being terribly exploited in this mm -hmm. industry and nobody's saying that all models should be banned and there should be no such yeah. thing as fashion it's just sort of ridiculous so it's there's there's a dark side to every industry there really is and i think like there has to be room for gray areas and understanding that there are gray areas and why can't we just all work together to make these places just more suitable and better conditions and you know actually look after the people that are part of the industries as opposed to just shutting them down push it underground and then there's no way of like securing any kind of safety safety for no. the people that work within the industry I mean, and that is what will happen unfortunately yes so anyway that was all a bit dark <laughs> and miserable so let's <laughs> let's 
turn that around. Let's turn that Let's clown. Turn that around. <laughs> turn that frown upside down. <laughs> well, we were doing uh, the microphone testing earlier. You do your canned laughter. <laughs> there we go. We're out. We're in. <laughs> funny, funny. Um, okay, so we have your sister we coming do. onto the show right now, and I'm really excited about having her on. But could you give all our listeners a little bit of background on you guys? You grew up in sunny California. We which did. I have, you know, as like a child of North London, like that just sounds like a fucking dream to me. So please, I mean, tell us as a child more. of North London, I am going to say it's not like a war town or something it's like that. It's not a I mean, war town, okay. You I'm grew up like- in like posh north london people have pools where you grew up um so uh yes we grew up in a suburb of san francisco um called walnut creek i've actually visited you did visit which was really nice you visited our second childhood home so we lived in two different places there and it was very like white picket fence and everybody had a pool we did not have a pool but um other people had pools and we had lots of animals and miniature horses that we had so in our back yeah we had a miniature horse that we used to take for walks to 7-eleven to get slushies oh, it all sounds um, so dreamy and like out of some sort of like american movie that it, i mean my childhood was amazing yeah. and then as an adult uh when i meet people i'm like oh, my childhood was much better than yours yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we i mean we got along really well as kids where there's four years in between us so which is always quite a, a good distance um I mean I would say that probably I was just a tiny version of myself now um and my sister yeah, and you are quite say... similar so what's it like being my friend that you could probably guess what it's like being my sister I'm gonna say yeah well I feel like you and your sister are actually like polar opposites mm. um not just like looks wise but also personality wise except for your voices sound quite similar yeah which can be a little bit like throw you off a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah she's quite yeah she's definitely like much more introverted than me um until she has a drink <laughs> Um, and she's, yeah, she's quite like, she's very easygoing. She's very chill. Yeah. Yeah, She's very relaxed. I mean, yeah, she's, she's kind of, I guess. We're the yin and the yang. Yeah. We are really different from each other. Those are the relationships that really work. But she was, I mean, she was a great younger sister. I mean, I was probably a bit of an asshole as an older sister sometimes, but everybody is. I remember I used to do this really mean game where I would be playing with my friends and I didn't want to play with her and she would like come in and I'd be like, yeah, we're doing the stare at the ceiling game and don't speak. And then we would just sit there wow. staring at the ceiling and not speak until she got bored and left. So. <laughs> so, yeah, there was that. But also I was, you know, a great advocate of her. She was definitely my younger sister. So if anybody fucked with her, like, ever, I like, oh, all of her friends scary. were terrified yeah, could, of me because totally if she got bullied in school or anything like that. And I left school really young. She was much more academic and sporty than me. Um, because I left school very young, I used to, like, I would turn up at campus if you fucked with my sister <gasps> and, like, scare the shit out of you. And I was kind of, I looked exactly the same from about the age of 13. I imagine you were just as scary then as you are. I probably more so because a bit more unhinged. (laughs) I have like yeah, you're also high then. So I was also very high. high. Yeah, terrifying indeed. I mean, I also remember I probably scarred her a little bit for life from drugs for a little while as well because I started taking ecstasy at a very tender age of. 13 um and I remember taking like all the good ones do uh, yeah exactly (laughs) like a huge amount of ecstasy and then getting thrown out of a party in San Francisco and I was yeah I was about 14 or 15 and I had to go home and I was really high so she was like a child and I was like like, corner her no yeah I woke her up in her bed she was like you're just like standing above me with like the biggest people (sighs) screen like please talk to me (laughs) 
So, you know, just like a bit of healthy emotional damage uh-huh. um, done during our childhood, which was great. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to, we're going to go into uh, my lovely sister talking yeah. about uh, her modeling experiences. Um, we do open up with... Um, a story about a garlic clove. So if you haven't heard that... Strippers 101. If yeah. you haven't listened to that one yet, I think just before yeah, you... Yeah, scoot back. Yeah. Season one. Um, it will just give you some context uh, <laughs> because otherwise it might feel a little left field. But then again, this is Strippers in the Attic, so maybe not. Hello, Buffy. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Great. I'm great. (laughs) Well, I'm great because my sister's here. Yay! Hi. Very special guest. Hello. Mm -hmm. Well, so, I mean, well, first of all, (laughs) (laughs) the only reason that people know you is because... Well, we talked about you putting a garlic clove. My, <laughs> it's your claim to I'm fame. Garlic girl. <laughs> or it's your girl. stripper name, Garlic Girl. Yeah. No. Um, well, actually, I remember um, when I was telling my friends to listen to the show, <laughs> and then I'd have to give them this like, I'd have to be well. There is this one episode <laughs> where something really funny happened to me. But also you told everyone that I had BV, which it was just a yeast infection, you fucking bitch. Um, so now I get to get BV's nothing clear. to be ashamed. I know, but it's just like it's not really stinkier. fun yeah, to like tell fun. your friends to like or like people that you know that you're like really proud of your sister and her new podcast. And then oh, by the way, I didn't have BV. It was just a yeast infection and I, my friend told me anyhow. So well, you had to dig yourself I out that hole. I humiliated my... But now actually, <laughs> I'm sure they didn't believe no, it. It's actually yeah. kind of therapeutic. So now I can just tell people that I, you know, got a clove of garlic <laughs> stuck up my pussy <laughs> and I had to spoon it out. Um, How big was a spoon? <laughs> it was a teaspoon. It wasn't How like a was fucking... garlic clove? It was like it was, it was yeah. Must in there. It was just like a I don't know maybe an American sized garlic clove is a bit bigger than. Um, is that like a GMO garlic yeah. clove? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it an entire bald garlic? No, anyway. I'm not fisting myself with <laughs> garlic clove. Um, well, anyway, it's I not in there up. anymore. It's but now <laughs> we can also clear up that did, did it solve your problem? No, no, you have to take medication for but that. But I have been doing some research. On, no, on not this. again. And, no, and it's got antifungal properties. It does. So yeah. they can yeah. say that garlic is really great for like, getting rid of candida. But it doesn't yeah. say to put it up yourself, does it? I mean, I didn't read that. No, it does. But they, I did read about the garlic. This so is how misinformation put, starts. You know, this is yeah. like basically together. all conspiracy theories start about here. I've been doing some reading. <laughs> I put some science together in my mind with no proof. So surely this makes yeah. sense. So we got to work out a name for you. I mean, okay, so. Not Garlic Girl. Not Garlic, garlic Girl. Gigi. Oh. Gigi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got a story behind it. Yeah, no. Oh. Okay, so first pet. First pet was Belle. Mother's maiden name? Rogers. Okay, so That's option very one. Porn star. I, I like that. Yeah, I like Bell that. Rogers. Option two would be middle name. Rhea. And our first street. The first street that I remember living on was Valencia Court. Yeah. So Rhea Valencia. Because mine is Cupy cool. Rogers. Cupy <laughs> Rogers. Cupy. Yeah, Cupy was, was the first the name of your cat. pet? Oh. Yeah, that I named when I was like three. So obviously... Didn't mm-hmm. have a big grasp on names because it was just a made-up sound. Option? Uh, Kiwi Rogers. And so what, what would we say? Or middle? 
middle name or it could be Marianne Valencia. Marianne Valencia is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rhea Valencia, I just think of gonorrhea. So I I think maybe you should stay away from from that as your stripper name. So we're going to call you Belle today. Yes. Belle. So, I mean, I guess, you know, well, first of all, you're here because we're celebrating my 40th birthday. So we had a big party last night. 40th. Which you, you guys did a fabulous job of cooking. Yeah, you delicious. gassed yourself out. I gassed myself oh, out God. this morning. Because I <laughs> tend to stick to a gluten-free diet, and last night I did not do that. No, and, and you ate um, all the cheese by yourself. Ate all the cheese, <laughs> very all impressed the how much you could. <laughs> <laughs> And then you gave me a heated blanket, which made the gas thing a whole lot worse. Oh no! <laughs> I just hotboxed myself. Mm, good. I should be sponsored so, yeah. by anyway. those heated blankets. Actually, I yeah. have been trying to we sell them to everybody. and instant yeah. pots and air fryers. If yeah. I had shares in those, I'd be doing all right. You really so. would. I've passed on that knowledge to many people. As well. You so had great. some edibles and then thought you were going to die like Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> I just started getting really paranoid because after mm-hmm. flying, I I was a little constipated. <laughs> and then I, uh, Buffy gave me uh, some edibles to test them out before the party. So she's she's a great she's planner. And then I, I just started spinning out and thinking about how Elvis died on the toilet with 30 pounds of shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had like bowel failure. Yeah, I mean, he no, that's not a good thing to think about. Painkillers, all those yeah. painkillers, and you. I don't think you're at that level. No, no, I think one edible on in a flight from New York. I was just thinking that Buffy was going to have to take me to the hospital, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really so, bad. Yeah, I'm not, not good with edibles. You're not, uh, yeah, you're not, it's not your stuff. So mm-hmm. I wonder if a garlic clove would work for that as well. No, in the bum. Back to science class with heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I mean, we had this really magical childhood. I scurried off to London on a, well, basically I went to go on a three-month holiday and mm-hmm. then just didn't come back because I became a stripper and was living my best life. Um, but you went and modeled um, at 17 in yeah. New York. So, like, how did, like... I think that also comes from having, like, parents who were very supportive of us and letting you wanted us to fly. do that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I graduated high school... Um, in 2004, um, which is a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it like that. Yeah. Uh, and mm. so I was 17 and I went to New York three days after graduating high school. And I had these two, my like booking agents who were also former models. Um, and they set up appointments for me with modeling agencies and I signed like the day that I got there and was working the next day and I moved into a model's apartment on oh, 13th wow. street what was between that like? 5th that and 6th like? oh my god it was it was horrible because they in a dancer's apartment but a model's apartment yeah Sounds model's really apartment where I was paying like $1,500 a month um to live with like five other girls that were all paying $1,500 a month and in some sort of like grandfathered apartment. So the modeling agencies were just completely taking advantage of all the girls. And one of the girls was like, poor thing was anorexic and bulimic. And like they were telling her she couldn't leave until she had paid off what she owed in rent, but she wasn't able to work anymore because she was absolutely 
like wow. yeah she's an absolute mess um you would think it would be cheaper accommodation that's the whole point of like living together no they were just dancers totally taking yeah dancers houses are like they're like five pounds and they're really gross but it's real cheap yeah yeah so it's terrible it was yeah it was depressing and not that fun but (laughs) i did get to travel a lot i lived in milan and that's cool i would come see buffy when i was doing shoots and i would show up with no money (laughs) 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 you spent it all on rent yeah um but yeah so i mean it's kind of interesting because i feel like well when you were so in new york when you were modeling mm-hmm. at first off it was i mean it was really exciting for yeah, you it was but exciting. it was definitely like you know for us as strippers i think that societally societally is that a word societally it is now it is now but in society it's very judged Mm -hmm. right you know it's something that if you said amongst polite company people would be really judgy about Mm -hmm. that Uh, versus if you say oh i'm model i'm a model uh it sounds so glamorous and you know it's something that's accepted like sexualizing a very young woman uh, is very acceptable in that kind of way yet you know, I've never seen anything like that where somebody is being forced to work when they're anorexic. Like nothing, yeah. nothing even close to that. Yeah. You have a lot more agency as a stripper, what it sounds like anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure some clubs are different and we haven't worked in any of those. And I've definitely worked in some clubs where they're a bit more controlling about what you're wearing and things mm-hmm. like that, but you can always just leave and go to a different club. And also at least you're making good enough money. Whereas if you were yeah. saying, you know, you're doing these shoots and you're living in this expensive yeah. accommodation and still and not making that And a lot of the, the high fashion stuff is like, not paying anything so it's all based on like the they just they know that the models want to be models so Mm. they'll take jobs you know regardless of the pay they're just taking advantage of so many different things going on there and Um, like how did it you know because i would say that stripping left me feeling really confident about myself really strong feeling like i could handle any situation um you know so many nice things about that what did you feel like modeling left you with i mean Thankfully, I came out of it pretty unscathed, but I still, I have friends who are ex-models who still are suffering from eating disorders Mm -hmm. and body image Mm. issues. I mean, I still, I still, I sort of feel like, oh, I, I should look a certain way or it should be just from having agents and people that you're working with saying like, you, oh yeah, like, oh, you, you need to stay this size or else you can't work or you know and you're like young you know yeah, you're 17 years 17. old yeah. um and i was like old you know at that point you know a lot of the girls were 13 what's that something they want you when you're 17 mm-hmm. when <laughs> you're 21 you're no, no fun that's loads of fun i mean but also if i think back to our childhood you were i mean people always commented on what you looked like mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we were jewish and had a lot of jewish people around us and you were blonde mm-hmm. and blue-eyed yeah um that was like definitely a thing and so because now you are i mean you're an incredible musician um you you know run your own business you do tons of things that are based not on just your looks yeah Um, i think it was pretty detrimental to me to be honest and i uh in school teachers would treat me differently and and i just sort of yeah I, i don't think it was good for me having people always com- commenting about my looks mm. um and i wish it wasn't such a part of uh your makeup yeah mm. I, I yeah so i never yeah i never um i don't know and that time around that time as well when you were growing yeah, up that I was would, when i would have rather have had people kind of 
pointing out things that were great about Your me. Other yeah, my other. Well, yeah. I did have sports. I was very sporty, so yeah, I really leaned into that for sure. But um, it puts a lot of uh, pressure on that, you know, to mm-hmm. stay good looking, to stay mm-hmm. attractive. I'm saying like with my fingers or whatever. Um, and then suddenly you feel that that's your only kind of value. Mm-hmm. I felt similarly in dance school, you know, mm-hmm. in going to a musical theater and a dance school, they put a lot of pressure on like what you look like. And, mm-hmm. and that seems to be the only important thing. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of obsess over it, which stripping really didn't do. Weirdly. No, you get all different body you types, especially s- when I danced, you got like all different body types. Yeah. And so that definitely <clears throat> leaned into not having this homogenized idea yeah. of mm-hmm. what you need to look like. I think it's a little bit more it has homogenized its own weird now. shit with like surgery stuff. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you could definitely be any kind of body, uh, any kind of shape or size yeah. or wear whatever clothes that you want to, it's um, way more to inclusive. the strip club. And, yeah. Yeah. You're still going to make money. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Whereas model, you have to, I really should have become a, you should have been a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, I think you would have been a great stripper. Okay. Well, I have my name now and, I guess you're a great dancer. I'm. I, I'm. You've yeah. got excellent fashion got, tits. I've maybe you should come to work rhythm. with me yeah, tonight. Maybe. Although I work in a bit of a hellhole. No, you don't. Don't work with This place is not that great. Palomino, that's the yeah. place. Um, yeah, maybe I'll come for a month and I just, you know, I'm going to go spend some time with my sister <laughs> in and, Vegas and make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and have people tell you how wonderful you are. Hmm. I mean, but you are a little bit more of a germ phobe than me. It's pretty skanky. There is some yeah. like ick factor that you I'll have just, to. I'll put like I don't know like tea tree oil on the inside of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I think just also just like things are just a bit crusty in there. Yeah, <laughs> crunchy. Uh, yeah, it is like yeah, and I, crunchy, yeah so. I don't know if I could do it sober. Um, really? You Actually, loved, but I as mean, a kid, nothing, you loved yeah. being naked. You were like I the most naked. naked person. I still, yeah, I still love being naked. You would um, strip off your clothes and like roll. I do remember when you stripped off your clothes and like rolled in mud and then you yeah. got stung on the butt by a bee. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, I don't know who, maybe, maybe you guys can convince me to start dancing and I'll, totally I'll do have that. a I mean, there's a place in New Jersey that's called Pumps that I've oh, always yeah, wanted pumps. to dance in. Yeah. Hmm. There's a place on the border of Mexico that I really <laughs> want to dance that in. That sounds like that death. Sounds a little dangerous. Uh, it just looks like proper spit and sawdust. I was watching like a documentary online about it. And there was like this one customer and he only had one eye because he like accidentally shot himself in the face. And like, I was like, oh, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> <laughs> like how you're plotting your death <laughs> online on your own. <laughs> no, I just feel like there's so many sort of like, yeah, strip clubs we might not have visited yet. I do remember me trying to be a model and failing spectacularly. Oh. Uh, it was actually who got you into modeling found me first. Really? Yeah, Dan. Dan? Dan. And then Dan told me to like contact his agent and they were like, no thanks. And I was really upset. It oh, was no. Dan? It was I didn't Dan. remember yeah, that. Yeah. And I met he... Dan years So he before. discovered Buffy first and yeah. then he discovered Belle. Yeah, and she actually had a career. <laughs> um, and I was like too short and mom and dad like paid loads of money to one of those modeling oh, like yeah, talent places that. that like took the most awful photographs of me You need ever. to dig these photos out. I know. I wonder them. if mom actually, has them. I, I found... I we, Did you? I found them. Oh, <laughs> Did you? And I, oh wow. last time I was home helping clear out the garage. Oh my god! And please I, send I, them. I, They're so tragic. Yeah, no, you look beautiful. Oh my you god. look a little sad, but you look beautiful. <laughs> it looked like a little hostage situation. Yeah, no, it was a little bit of that. But so you know, I tried to be a model, but stripping was definitely better. 
You're an okay, amazing so now dancer. You definitely need to try and be a stripper too. Yeah, and then wow. you can watch me fail horribly. No, you'd be a wonderful stripper. You'd, everybody would just throw money at you. Yeah, they would like love they you. do for heaven. Mm. Well, we've got a cook dinner for uh, twelve people now. Another yes. dinner. Another dinner after, after last after, night's dinner. Yeah. So we're we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to eat anymore. I know one party is. No, it was a big, a big celebration we need to celebrate you more you. every day oh, thank you <laughs> all right well thank you for coming on our show yeah and thank you so much thank it was you. lovely to have you on yeah. all right see I'll you later buffy i'll see you later Bye. heaven see you later Bye. thanks for tuning in today if you haven't already we would really appreciate you hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a positive review all show notes and social media links can be found on our website, www.strippersintheattic.com. This episode was brought to you by House of Vixens, produced by Stephen Armstrong. Editing and post-production by Adam Grigg. Original music by Myron Cohen and Hart McNee. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm Buffy. And I'm Heaven. And together we are... Strippers in the Attic. <laughs>